0: You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. My family and I are officially Missourians, as of last night. <laughs> is that how you say it? Is that, is that what you'd say around here? Okay, in Arkansas you'd say in Arkansas, and don't get me started on that. But anyway, I just was making sure I was saying that right, you know, I want to try to fit into the culture well. <laughs> we wondered for a little bit that we might end up as an Okie because we were over there for a little while. And But by God's grace, we made it to Missouri. We didn't have to be. Sorry, Kurt. I just, you know, I just couldn't do it, bro. I just couldn't stay in Okie. Um, so last night we slept in our, our home new to us for the first time in Missouri, so we're super thankful. Um, you know, as you can imagine, tubs and boxes and furniture is everywhere. And we're like, okay, I can get to the bed. <laughs> Thank you for everybody who has helped, who's offered to help, who prayed, who brought food and, and helped and encouraged and supported. And they've asked, uh, let us borrow trailers and trucks and all of the above. So we, we are very thankful, um, very thankful. And as many of you know who have moved, uh, moving can be a very tiresome thing. And so, you know, our, our story is moving seven people. We've lived in four houses, three different states and three weeks. Um, so it's been, it's been a blessing and it's been a challenge. And so it's like you're just living in this perpetual state of moving. And it's like, okay, what tub is that in? And, and, and where, I don't even know where a coffee cup is. And this is, this is DEFCON. Find the coffee cups now. I just have to drink it straight out of the pot, but then I'll burn my mouth. I won't be able to talk. Maybe that's a good thing for my family. Not so good for Sunday mornings, right? But, as we have gone through this process, and I'm sure some of you have experienced this, whether it's through moving or a trial in life, extra stress at work, a, a health thing, a broken relationship, different things, you just feel like you're constantly in this place of unrest, of turmoil. And, and you're just like, am I ever going to be able to rest again on this side of heaven? And you just, you hope that that's coming And yet, in the midst of it, God can still provide rest. So, for example, for us, rest would feel like when that next person called and said, hey, we're willing to help. And even if it isn't appropriate always for them to be able to come and help, just knowing they were wanting and able and willing would feel like a little bit of rest. Or when... And folks said, hey, you know what? I know you don't really need help with your things because stuff's everywhere. You got to put stuff away, but let me show up with pizza. Let me just show up with some pizza or have it delivered. And it's like, oh, I don't have to try to figure out how to cook some food. My wife especially, not me. um, We're even the plates or paper plates. So, you know, we just eat out of our hand and lick it or something, you know, just pour jelly and peanut butter in your hand and just, you know. <laughs> but those, those things, those little things can help us feel like rest. And so whether it's a health thing, whether it's a broken relationship, God can still come in and provide those moments of rest for us through an encouraging word, uh, a prayer. Somebody showing up out of the blue, a phone call, an email, a text. Um, His word. Uh, praying to him knowing that he gets it and understands because he was here on earth as well as Jesus Christ and and he walked in sandals then in our shoes and understood fractured relationships he understood loss he understood times of hunger and, and times of thirst he understood what it was like to not have a place to live and call your own uh, he was constantly on the move in his later adult years. And he knew what it was like to have a home as a kid growing up. And so he understands we have a Savior that can empathize with us. And so last night, as, as things are still everywhere, and, you know, the priority is get the kids down so they have a place so that, you know, you're, you're okay the next day so they don't what, turn into whatever they turn into You know, you know parents, don't you? They turn into something when they don't get the rest they need. And and you're like, what happened? (laughs) And and so we get their beds ready first, and and they're down. And, uh, you know, the rain came through. We were unloading our last load as the rain came through. And we're just like, I don't care that it's raining. This is awesome. (laughs) And this blessing and and refreshing rain that was just coming down. And then I don't know where you guys were as this, as the rain let up and the clouds started clearing a little bit and the temperature changed and the fog and the mist started coming up a little bit. But at our house guys, if you have that picture, this was our view off our front deck. And you can see the fog and the mist in the background and the sky was just lit up. And it was like God was saying, here's some rest. Enjoy my creation. Enjoy me. And so just sit down and just sit there for a minute and soak it in. And And God is so good that way. And I think that we can, if we're not seeing these things, if we're not seeing that in our lives, I mean, every morning and every evening when the cloud's not blocking it, that's there. That's there for us to enjoy and even if the clouds are blocking it, have you studied the clouds? And the wonder of his creation and the uniqueness and all the different types of clouds and what they do and why they do it and the intricacy of a leaf or a flower or the animals that you, you may have around your house or, or your spouse or your kids or, or whatever. That God provides those moments of rest but we, we often miss them. We often miss them. In Psalms 23, as we started last week, verse 2 especially, but I think the whole psalm is about us trusting in, realizing who the Good Shepherd is, why He is a Good Shepherd, trusting in Him, and that even though there are valleys of the shadow of death and dark paths and, and steep which things, steep terrain, paths, and the different things to, to go on in this journey of life, that God is still the good shepherd. He is still leading us. There are still sunrises. There are still sunsets. There is still rain. And this morning, as we'll see, there are green pastures, and there are still waters. But before we jump into that second verse of Psalm 23, let me do a quick recap of verse 1 for us. Verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need, or I shall not want. And as we talked about last week, another way of saying it would be, I am content. And, and David, who who wrote Psalm 23, inspired by the Holy Spirit, described the Lord as his shepherd, and the Lord as his shepherd, and the Lord being his shepherd. So the Lord as our shepherd, the Lord is our shepherd. And, and as our shepherd, he describes, you know, understanding what a shepherd was back then gives us more reality and more, more perspective of who Jesus is for us, who God is for us. So Scripture is telling us uh, that Jesus is a good shepherd. He just flat out called himself that in John 10. He called himself the great shepherd in Hebrews 13. He says, I am the chief shepherd in First Peter. And then attributes of a shepherd during that time in ancient history is that it was a low and menial task it was it was i don 't know maybe an, maybe a, a good comparison today would be um, i 'm going to move that so a kiddo doesn 't step on that later. little pin sticking up sorry um, it was something that I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we would attribute towards the uh, sanitation people who take care of the sanitation for us in the cities. Um, but I understand you can get paid well in that. And so um, it's something that you might consider as uh, on a job site, you're the gopher. You know, you just got to work your way up to do something fun like handle a nail gun or, or actually build something or wire something. Or You know, you're just the gopher. You got you to gotta work your way up. It's, it's, it was the lowest task. It was the lowest profession. It was something that the shepherds had to survive on their own in the wilderness, on locusts and honey. It was something that people didn't show up with the food truck, and you could bring a couple bucks and get you your burrito or whatever off the food truck. I mean, you had to find, not only you're taking care of the sheep, but you got to find stuff for yourself as well. Uh, it was a detestable profession. The Egyptians hated it. It was like, Ugh. I can't even with these people. Uh, the clothing that the shepherds wore resembled the sheep. And we talked about with each one of these is a dangerous and lonely job. We talked about how Christ embodied each one of these attributes and characteristics when he came to earth. He came as a humble person to an, who would have been an outcast because she was pregnant and not married. Um, he, he came and had to survive In the wild, they had no place to rest his head. They often went without food and he and his disciples. um, It was something that I'm sure many people did not understand why they were doing that, why they were traveling around and and doing these things. In fact, to the point that Christ was the same people he healed and ministered to or the same people yelling crucify him at the end of his life here on earth. Uh, He took on skin, actual flesh and blood like his creation. Uh, It was a dangerous, it was for him here on earth, and it was lonely. His disciples deserted him on the night that he needed him most. The Lord is our shepherd. David knew this because of what he went through in the wilderness. He saw him provide. He saw him care for him. He saw him protect him. He saw him give him strength to kill a bear and a lion in defending the sheep. He saw saw God come in as well when he became king later in life and help him rule the nation of Israel and defeat its enemies. And he saw God's mercy and love for him in spite of his huge failures. So when David, who, as many believe, penned this later in his life to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... And him having experienced all in life that he'd experienced. Can you imagine the brevity of when he wrote those words? What he was thinking, what he was feeling. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So as we transition to verse 2, I'd like to offer my same challenge and caution to myself, to all of us here this morning. And that is, when a passage of scripture is familiar to us that we do not check out. That we do not think we know it. That we do not think that I don't have to listen. Because that's the lie from Satan. All right? That's him going, hey, yeah, you just check on out. You think about that to do list. You think about the chores you got at home. You think about work tomorrow. You think about whatever. And you're like, thanks, Matt, for bringing that to my attention. Now I got to push that back out. Yeah, I'm sorry. But I trust that you guys can come back. Guys. The Word of God is living and active. And so every time we pick it up and read it, and if we truly come before it as what it is, God's words, and we humbly come before Him and say, Lord, show me, guide me, direct me, speak to my heart, He will. Whether you've looked at that verse for the first time in your life or the millionth time. So... My challenge repeated. Let's jump into verse 2. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. All right? Keep that in mind. I want to read the whole chapter again. It's six verses. Maybe by the end of this, most of us will have it memorized. Who knows? But if you're willing and able, would you stand with me while I read this Psalm 23? I might ask you guys to read this next week. Psalm 23. This is the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, you can follow along there. You're welcome to read it in your version where you're at. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Thank you. You can be seated. So verse 2, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Or the English Standard Version says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters instead of quiet waters. So let's, let's break this verse down. All right, let's peel back some layers. Uh, feel free, if I'm not in front of it too much, I'll try to stay out of it. Feel free to just kind of let this be a visualization of this as well. Uh, This this painting. And so he lets or makes me lie down. Okay, so first off, our good shepherd's out leading us. He's out in front. He's leading. That's the, if you are in the military and you served on a tour, that was the most dangerous position to be in, being out front. You're the first guy that's going to get hit if the enemy comes under attack. That's where Christ is for us. He's out front leading us. He's first in the line of fire for us. And as he is out front initiating and leading, he says, hey, let's lay down right here. There's a green pasture coming up. It's right in here. Let's lay down. Would you lay down? And oftentimes the shepherd, as he's leading the sheep, it would not even be a point where they needed to rest yet. They would just be starting off their day, just getting going, uh, just kind of, you know, they're stretching out. You can imagine them coming out of the sheepfold where the shepherd had literally laid in the hole of the sheepfold. There weren't the sheepfold. There were not gates. It was a uh, stone walled, and sometimes two or three shepherds might bring their flocks in there, and, and they would come out, and, and I'll develop some of this more later in the coming weeks, but the shepherd would literally lay as the gate in that hole so that nothing could get in or out. And as they come out, he would call them. All the shepherds, in the, if there were more than one, they would they would use the same call. Uh, you know, people call pigs like "woo, pig, pig, pig." I don't know what they did for sheep's. Maybe some of you guys do sheep's. Do you like that? My boys, my grammar police boys, will get me on that one later. Um, but they they call them and say, and, and it doesn't matter what shepherd called the sheep know their shepherd's voice, and they call them out and. they'd you can imagine them coming out in the morning of, the, of a beautiful sunrise or, or maybe it was a stormy night. I don't know. And they're stretching and starting to move around. And they're just kind of getting going. They're just kind of getting going. And then he's like, hey, let's lay down. Lay down right here. And he stops in the green pasture. I mean, we're like, what? Why? I mean, let's rest when we're more tired. Let's, let's keep going. Well, oftentimes our Savior knows what's ahead of us. You know, the shepherd knew what's coming up. He knew these trails. He knew this wilderness. He knows that the journey ahead could be a steep, winding, narrow path. And if they tire out halfway up it, they could fall. They're not going to make it. They're going to be stuck on this hillside with no food, no water. So he's saying, lay down because I know what's best. Let's rest here. You see, God has eternity in mind for us as well. And so the trials of life that we face and that we have, the suffering that we can go through, they're not surprises to him. They're not surprises to him. And he also knows that when we should have times of rest. And he knows how to insert times of rest even in the midst of them. Like a beautiful sunset last night, or you guys fill in the blank with how you have felt that over the course of your lives, of knowing Christ as your Savior. He created us. He knows what we need better than we even do. Jeremiah says, who can understand a heart? Uh, It is wicked beyond all measure. We can't even understand our own hearts. But Christ can. And he knows it. He knows when we need that rest. Sometimes we're like, no Lord, I really need rest right now. It's like, no, you're not ready for the rest. Maybe it's because we wouldn't fully appreciate it. Maybe because we wouldn't enjoy it. Maybe we're not in a place of being able to hear him speak to us in that rest. Hebrews 4 compares heaven as entering rest. Someday we will have eternal rest when our life here on earth is done. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That day is coming. God's presence is rest. That's why heaven will be rest. We will be eternally in his presence. And guys, says there can be moments of rest here on earth when we are in God's presence, when we are truly surrendered and humbled. And, and I believe that one of those times on a weekly basis can be here together as a body. That he can be here with us and being in his presence and coming Bringing our offering to him as we come together can be that. Hebrew, or I'm sorry, Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. Lowly and humble in heart like the shepherd. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You're like, but yeah, Matt, I've been a believer X years and this isn't easy. The not easy part is our sin. It's us getting in the way of God working in our lives. It's our sin. It's the sin of others. Okay. And because we are sinful, because we can get prideful, because we can think we know how to do things, we can think we should be the shepherd, God will say, maybe you need a valley of this shadow of death to be reminded that you are not the shepherd because you don't know what's ahead, and I do. You don't even understand your own heart, but I do. And so heaven on that glorious day and we're done serving him here. We'll get to enter that because there will be no sin. Guys, I also believe that rest can be found in the obedience of God's word. So do you feel more at peace and more happy and, and less stressed out when you're running from God? Are you sleeping better? Are you, I mean, maybe you're having a little fun in the midst of it, but how's it feel the next day when you wake up, or the next week, or a couple of months later? How's that working out for you? But guys, out of the overflow of our love for Him, by His grace, as we choose to trust Him as our Savior, we can't can't earn that by obeying Him. Salvation is His gift by grace alone, through faith alone, through the work of Christ alone. That's our salvation. Okay? But after our salvation, through our faith, comes our opportunity to love Him and worship Him through our obedience to Him. And it's in that place that we grow in our faith, we grow in our love for Him, we show Him we love Him, and it's in that place that we can also find rest. Isaiah 57 two says, He will enter into peace. They will rest on their beds, everyone who lives uprightly. Resting on your bed with not a care in the world sounds pretty good right now to me. <laughs> and I'm sure several of you in here feel in the same way but the person who lives uprightly. You're not up all night wondering if you're going to get caught in that lie or caught in that thing you chose to do. You're at peace. So he makes us or lets us lie down in green pastures. So set your allergies aside for a minute. Okay? Set them aside. (laughs) <laughs> if you've got allergies like green pastures, no way. <laughs> Give me an enclosed space with extra thick filters on the AC system and I'm good. Okay. Sheep, I don't think, have allergies. They're not like we do. So that would be a really bad bummer if you were a sheep and you had allergies to grass or something. But that's beside the point. We're just all going to understand that we wouldn't have allergies sitting in a green pasture. So we've at least seen scenes, if we haven't walked through one ourselves, of the lush green rolling hills of—I think of Ireland immediately, of just the green country. Um, maybe there's other places. There's places around here that are very green when we have enough rain, and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous. And so um, think of that. Think about think about that peace and that tranquility. And, Picture hearing birds singing their praise to God, their creator. The wind gently caressing the top of the green grass and it just kind of waves and ripples. And then the grass, if, if you're walking through it and you're touching the tops of the grass and, and you snap one off and it just kind of bursts. It's so full of water. And that peace and that tranquility that that pasture can represent the green, the lushness of it as well as the food that it provided for the sheep. And so this green pasture is not just a place of peace and rest and tranquility, but it's also providing what is needed for the sheep, for us. And I believe that our green pasture, the substance and food we need, is this right here, more than anything. More than anything. Matthew 4 4 says that we, this is Jesus rebuking, rebuking Satan who's tempting him. He's tempting him. He'd been out 40 days and 40 nights fasting. He'd gone without food. Uh, and, and Satan comes in and says, Hey, turn these rocks to bread, have some food. And Jesus responds that we cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And yes, our physical bodies need food to survive. Yes. But more importantly, our hearts and souls need God's word. Do we hunger for God's word like we do for a big, plump, juicy steak? Or a freshly homemade lasagna? Or homemade ice cream, Dan? (laughs) Do we hunger for God's word with the same cravings and urges and impulses that we have for our favorite foods? If we don't, I believe it's because we're not tasting it enough. And by tasting it, I mean we're not in it, studying it, Memorizing it, saturating ourselves in it with our lives. First Peter 2:2 2, 2 says, "We are to desire the pure milk of the word like a newborn infant, so that we can grow up into our salvation." An infant lets us know they need food. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter where. They could care less that you've only had one hour's sleep in two weeks. <laughs> they need food. And they want it and they let us know. They crave it. They desire it. They yearn for it. They hunger for it. They need it to survive. We need this to survive. And we need to crave the word of God and put ourselves in the word of God like a newborn infant desires that milk. Second part of the verse, he leads me beside quieter still waters. First of all, he leads me. There's a story about a tour guide in Israel giving a tour to a group of people and And there were some shepherds, some rural uh, shepherds in some of the outer areas and and still practicing some shepherding like they did back during this time. And uh, the tour guide was talking to the people and just saying, hey, the shepherd is always out front. That's how you know who the shepherd is. They might have a helper. They might have one or two people with them. But that's how you know who the shepherd is. They're the one out front leading the sheep. And so uh, they're driving along on their tour. and, And all of a sudden they come across a group of sheep being driven. And so one of the tourists is like, well, hey, what's, what's the deal with that? Uh, you just told us that. And he goes, honestly, I don't know. I've never seen this. So he stops the, the bus or the van and gets out and goes up and asks him and said, hey, what's the deal? And he's like, shepherd. Shepherd, I'm no shepherd. I'm the butcher. And he was the one who was driving the sheep to be butchered. Guys, our shepherd is leading us gently, lovingly, tenderly The butcher is who drives us and pushes us to our destruction. Jesus Christ is our shepherd out leading. Remember last week? We're the ones running off. Like, oh quick, he maybe can't see me. I'm going to go over here and do this because I I want to play shepherd for a little bit. No. We don't know. He does. He is leading us. He is guiding us. Where? To green pastures. Where? Beside quiet and still waters. I don't know if you knew this about sheep, but um, sheep cannot drink from rushing water. They just can't do it. And maybe you've been to the ocean and you've, you've heard the power that water can be, or you've experienced it in a flood where... It's just the, the volume, the actual volume of the rush and the roar of the river going by or the, or the waves crashing in and taking the sand and the surf back out and, or, the, or the river and, and literally watching trees that have stood for hundreds of years floating down right in front of you because the river has taken them. Maybe some of you a year ago or so have experienced that in your homes and and on your property and having to repair uh, driveways and and homes and property and different things from the flood that we had here. But have you also experienced that quiet still water? I think of, uh, so I grew up uh, going to the lake quite a bit and I think of uh, early, early in the morning and you wake up and it's like it's glass. It's a water skier's dream come true. Little slice of heaven for the people who like to water ski, like the Wilkerson's and, and myself and others. It's just glass. It looks like you can just literally walk across it. And you can see the trees and the reflection in the sky and the reflection. And it's just quiet, and you can hear a fish jump in the cove over to the side. And... Uh, or even a gentle flowing brook or a creek and just the bubbles and the, just the gentle ripple, just soft undertone. You know, the noise machines that help you sleep, that's even an option on it. You know, the little bubbling brook that helps you sleep because it's peaceful, it's quiet, it's, it's a good sound. So sheep, back to sheep not being able to drink from rushing water or moving water, they'll literally drown if they try to drink from it. They're just, I guess they're just not very coordinated in that. They have a drinking problem, I don't know. So the shepherd, if there is a brook or a creek or a river coming along, he literally has to take his staff and carve out a nook into a shallow pole, pool or a rock or, or whatever and divert the stream into a little basin that the sheep can actually drink out of. And so when it says here that the shepherd leads us beside the still quiet quiet water, sometimes we get to be at that lakeside where it's like glass. And sometimes we're in the midst of a rushing, roaring, flood stage river of life. And it's crazy. But he says, you know what? Here's a sunrise for you. I'm going to just curve this out and divert this water so you can rest for a second. Here's a prayer from somebody who knows you and loves you. Here's here's a verse from my word to sustain you and give you that peace. Here's a song on the radio at just the right time proclaiming the wonders and the majesty and the glory of God and how much he loves us. And that's Jesus just curving out and carving out that little bitty nook of that still water that we can get that drink that we need that piece of rest that we need. Scriptures also tell us that Jesus Christ is a living water. And that he who drinks from the living water will never thirst again. And in that, Jesus is saying, if you trust in me, if you believe in me, if you give your life to me, Quit trying to be the shepherd yourself. You'll not be thirsty again because I'll make sure that I've got a glass lake for you to drink from or a nook carved out along the way. And you'll never be thirsty in that way again. John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Talking about The well water, where he's talking to the woman at the well. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him or her for eternal life. I believe that as scripture is our substance for food, our prayer is like our substance for water. See, prayer is what connects us to God. It's that intimate communication with our Savior that lines our hearts and our wills up to His. It's not about us getting what we want. And not that we can't come to Him with our needs. But it's about our wills, our desires, lining up with His, like it says in Psalms 37.4. And Paul says it this way in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, he wants to hear them. He wants to know about them. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Anybody in here want that kind of peace? Peace that surpasses all understanding? Me too. I can't wait to experience it in my perfect redeemed state in heaven someday. But I bet many of you like me have experienced it even times of that here on earth where things are going nuts around you. you. You just, you can't even journal them and write them down as fast as they're happening. And yet here's this moment here is this sunset with fog in the background of the hills and the sky is just exploding with God's creativity and handiwork. And you're just like, how? How can I, how can I even feel peaceful right now? It's because of Jesus Christ. It's because of his word and us being in communication with him through our prayer. Guys, you will not last. You cannot make it as a believer. You will not experience peace and rest if you're not in his word and you are not praying. It is impossible. If you're wondering why you don't feel like God's around, it's because you're off playing around outside of his flock, outside of where he is leading. It's because I'm off forgetting to spend time in his word, forgetting to pray. When we don't feel him, that's why. It's not because he's not still out front leading. Are you are you grasping the pictures of the word? Are you are you grasping and visualizing it? See the shepherds in front of us. We're the sheep. There will not be any sheep in this painting. We're the sheep but the shepherds out front, leading, guiding, loving us. And no, his back's not always to us by any means. Don't go there with it. It's because he's leading us. He knows us by name. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And he chose to become That lowly, humble shepherd for our sake. Because of our sin, because we can't be that as much as we might try. And we're going to try to fill in the gap with things like our careers, with things like our possessions, with things like substances, with things like relationships or entertainment or fill in the blank, hobbies. And they can never replace him they will not save us. They will never give us peace that surpasses all understanding. So I'd like to wrap up by reading a portion of Scripture out of Exodus 33. As Moses, and, and we're getting to be a fly on the wall, so to speak, of him having a conversation with God. Moses, who I briefly mentioned him last week, if you're not familiar with who he is in the Bible, who was an orphan uh, kid who was sent down the river by his parents because Pharaoh had issued an edict to kill all the firstborn males and and I think maybe more. I may not be remembering that exactly right. But mom was like, I can't just turn my baby over. I'm going to at least just put him in the river and let God decide. And so uh, God's sovereignty has a Pharaoh's princess, one of his daughters out there, grabs him up, becomes his mom. So Pharaoh, or uh, Moses, is a foster kid and gets adopted by one of Pharaoh's daughters, the only ones that could save him. Grows up as a prince, makes some terrible choices, ends up running away from the kingdom. And becomes a, f- a shepherd, of all things, for about 40 years. So learns to shepherd sheep. And then God calls him to lead his people out of Egypt. And was then shepherding people. So this is, this is Moses talking to God about this. In Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead this people up but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name and you have also found favor with me. See, Moses is kind of getting a little snippy with God here. He's like, hey, you said this stuff. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, he's coming back around here, please teach me your ways and I will know you. Teach me so I will know you so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And God replies in verse 14, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. God's presence equals rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. In other words, We're not going without you, God. Without you leading us, we're not going. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. And while this was for specifically Moses and the nation of Israel, I believe wholeheartedly this applies to us today. And Lord, let us not go anywhere that you are not going before us. Let us not do anything without your blessing and leading and guidance and wisdom and love sustaining us as individuals, as New Life Church. So pray with me if you would, and then our kiddos will come in and sing about our great and good shepherd. So Lord, let that be true. Let that be true of each person in this room. Lord, you already know us. You're already out front leading us, but let us not wander off and think another way is better. Let us not become prideful in our own hearts and go astray. And Jesus, you're out front leading us and we need you to take us to those green pastures so that we have the food, your word, and we have those times of rest because we don't even know when they should be. Lord Jesus, we need you to carve out those nooks of water (laughs) because if we tried to take a drink on our own, we'd drown. And so Jesus, you are our living water. God, I pray if there is anyone in this room, Lord, that does not already know that wholeheartedly because they have confessed their sin to you and they have believed in you as the son of God, and that you have paid for their sin. Lord, that you would just create an urgency and a desire to know you that they just cannot shake until they do. They would have the courage to talk to somebody here if they have questions. Or, Lord, that they would just simply pray God, I cannot do this without you. I have tried being my own shepherd, and it stinks. So Lord Jesus, I cannot do this. I am a sinner. And you have paid for that sin on the cross because you're perfect and you're holy and you came and you initiated that salvation for me. I believe in that, Lord. So by your blood, please remove that guilt and that stain. Come into my life. Let me serve you wholeheartedly. And Lord, we all need to be reminded of that each day. That it's only from you and through you and because of you that we are who we are. I praise you, Lord, for those times of rest that you give us in the midst of trials, in the midst of chaos of life. At just the right time. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.